Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bowes. In this episode, we're joined by writer Sunny Singh to discuss her new book, Bollywood State of Mind, A Journey into the World's Biggest Cinema, out now from Footnote Press. Before we begin, we'd like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home to First Nations and Métis people. So we're here with Dr. Sunny Singh, uh, who's recently written uh, the book, A Bollywood State of Mind, about um, kind of it's, this is a very interesting text. Um, I'm excited for you to, to tell us how you how you came about writing it. But it's both about your own experiences and your life with Indian popular cinema, as well as kind of an interesting critical framework for analyzing Indian popular cinema. Uh, and so we're really excited to talk about it. And welcome, welcome to the show, Sunny. Yeah. Well. 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 Thank you for having me. Um. Yeah, I'm just really excited about this book because I've been wanting to write it for a long time. So, yeah, yeah. it comes out uh, the 19th of October, 2023. So I believe this episode's coming out around that time. We're kind of embargoed, actually. So, yeah, <laughs> as soon as you hear this, you will be able to pick it up at your favorite local bookstore, get an order it in or online, you know, best order from the publisher, I always think. But uh, this book reminds me of a conversation I was having with uh, someone on Twitter. Her name is uh, Sal Salam, uh, Sal and the bad pun on Twitter. And she was talking about uh, Jawan, the new uh, Shah Rukh Khan film. And she was wondering, like, she was hoping that critics were able to develop a framework that worked more on the emotional register of uh, Bollywood stories Jawan is kind of an interesting one because it's mostly South Indian personnel and director and all that and kind of done more like a Southern Massey picture. But like to develop a critical framework around uh, Bollywood, especially that focuses on the emotional register more than like the screenplay or maybe, um, you know, does it use shot reverse shot, et cetera. And I think what you did in this book actually is a great sort of um, Eastern approach to uh, cinema that's outside of the, you know, French influenced, uh, all those new wave guys. Like this uh, This is using uh, ancient Sanskrit theater text to describe the way that you can move between emotional registers in a, in a movie. And it totally made sense. I mean, I was not familiar with the, the theory, but when you uh, mentioned it, so many things kind of clicked into place. So do you want to go into that a little bit for our, our listeners? Because it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I think one of the ways that we want to think about, and perhaps this is linked to my personal journey as somebody who loves cinema, who writes about cinema, who researches cinema, was that I constantly felt that this process of applying Western theory made no sense. Because Western film theory, or what wider any kind of theoretical frameworks for cultural or aesthetic elements, um, are created from within that same cultural framework that the art is being created in, um, to then sort of export it and apply somewhere else, um, creates a dissonance, and. That's just one part of it, but because, but also because of historical reasons, that application of Western theory also comes with a lot of baggage, mm-hmm. a lot of colonial baggage, um, which then also, of course, creates this kind of an ideal structure 
um, whether it's um, French, European, you know, Italian cinema or Hollywood, whichever, you know, depending on which theorist or scholar is working on it and where they're situating themselves. And then, of course, this cinema, which is as old as pretty mm -hmm. much any other major cinema in the world, is somehow seen as naive, um, not quite, you know, something that's slapdash. Oh, it's escapist fare for the masses who don't know better. Mm -hmm. And of course, that wasn't my experience of the cinema at all, because we not only watched the cinema, there was a, there was a really critical eye, there was very complex discussions that would happen around it. And I just wanted to say, look, there's got to be another way of doing it. I got very fortunate because I did my PhD on this. So I actually did my PhD pulling together a framework. And part of it came from the fact that a lot of the people who were involved in cinema, who continue to be involved in cinema, um, not just Bollywood, but right across the country, have roots elsewhere mm -hmm. or have training elsewhere. So they've worked with theater, they are often um, trained musicians, um, dancers. I mean, it's, it's, it's taken for granted. I mean, maybe less so now, but even now, you know, the big thing about Rocky Arani, for example, is the fact that there is a main, you know, a key character who is a Kathak dancer. And mm -hmm. that constant back and forth that went went, went around it. Uh, a lot of the script writers were very, you know, educated, very erudite people. They were huge literary figures if, in their own times. And I was like, well, this cannot, this, this feeding into the cinema is very clear that they're working from a different theoretical base. They're working from different aesthetic bases. So I started going back to look at um, actually theater and dance theory. Mm. And that's where I kind of increasingly realized that a lot of the parameters for watching, um, not just Bollywood, but pretty much right across the board, as you said, the Massey cinema from South India, is actually to look at um, not just the Natyashats, the second century text, which is sort of the big or text on theater and performance in India, but the entire sort of thousand plus years of the Rashastra tradition. And of course, the various forms of it in which, you know, it is, it continues. So the, you know, it's not just the text, it's actually, you know, it's when you learn to dance, that's what you are taught. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you embodied, it's a lived tradition. Um, it's, it doesn't just stop with a theoretical framework. Um, and I just thought it would be a good idea to start kind of pulling those two together, mostly because a lot of things that we see as weird in you know, Bollywood, for example, and especially I know a lot of Western viewers found find weird, um, makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't have a separate category, for example, of musicals. Everything mm -hmm. is part of the musical tradition. Everything has that. Um, you know, Manmohan Desai was very clear how songs had to fit. Yeah, and it's quite weird, but I because when I look at that and then I look at the art, um, the Nazi Shastra, which is about two thousand years before him, I'm like, how are you guys kind of in dialogue here? Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, here's a Sanskrit text which I very little suggest that Manmohan Desai was familiar with, with mm -hmm. had or had read it because that's not who the kind of person he was, and yet it was very much within that structure. Mm -hmm. So I think that to me is really the interesting part that I think if you look at this in on its own terms, 
um, you look at the theoretical constructs that and theory that is from that tradition that informs and, and, and on which this is founded, you get a lot more out of it. I think not just the movies make more sense, but they're actually, you know, a lot. the more you understand, the more you're like, oh, this was really cool. So we can move that conversation beyond, you know, okay, the French and the, you know, yeah. the Germans and so on. And we can actually get on to talking about Indian films on their terms. Yeah, something that uh, kind of had puzzled me for, we've been watching uh, Hindi films for about nine years now and doing the podcast that long. And I was always a little bit confused as to why not everybody does this, but why is there often like a huge supporting cast and especially like a guy who the main character will refer to as his brother, but he's just kind of his best friend and his mom will take, like the main character's mother will take care of this guy too. And he's basically adopted. Like, why is there always like a huge family around every main character, even if there's supposed to be some lone badass or something? And you and you uh, you mentioned that like yeah um, often Indian audiences find Western cinema kind of alienating where the main characters are so isolated from their environment and that really helped it click for me like even if I don't like the Johnny Lever character in a movie or I do always like the Johnny Walker character in a movie but like it kind of makes sense we were always thinking Shakespearean right like there would be like a sort of clown character to comment on it. But it's what you're saying is it's more like it takes a village to raise a VJ, for instance, sort of well, like yeah. that kind of like you can't look at this character without thinking of everyone they've met in their whole lives and what what the stakes are for them. So I yeah. uh, thank you for that, because that, that actually really kind of opened a door in my brain, because that's that's you know we're coming from the West. That's obviously not a cultural touchstone we're going to have as much of. And uh, that really illuminated it for me. No, I think I think that's a really interesting idea as to what the stakes are. And at some level, with with most of Indian cinema right across, and especially commercial cinema, I think there's part of the reason the emotive registers or emotional registers are so um powerful and resonate so strongly with the audiences when it when it's done right is because the stakes are higher. Mm -hmm. So it isn't just Terminator. It isn't Keanu as, you know, he cares about his dog, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, come on, you know, what yeah. else is at stake? And and I think it's really interesting with Javon, as you know, as you said, you know, most of the crew, um, and it's, you know, it's it's from south, from south of the country. Um, but it also follows within a longer tradition. I kept thinking of films like Under Kanun. I kept thinking of um, Dawn, you know, mm -hmm. with the Bachchan movie, um, 77. There's such a long tradition of filmmakers who are who often work in completely different parts of India, have huge trajectories and, you know, reputations. And often they would make their, remake their own films into Hindi with you know Bombay actors and it's redone and the actors there's a sense that you know, there's a lot more movement and I think there is a kind of popular narrative that these these are somehow separate isolated completely functioning and you know insular ways and that's not true and I think what Javon does really well is that it brings up all of these ideas you know um, you know with the son that it's 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 personal revenge but it's also you know taking care of the country 
Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's also the same thing with his father. It's like that that that, that entry scene, you know, this is this is like using good Bollywood language, that first entry scene. Javan yeah. has many. Um is <laughs> very much about the stakes of for the community. It's never just one. And and then that character, that child kind of shows up towards mm-hmm. the end of the film. I mean, you probably, and it's quite strange because, you know, as uh, my other hat is as a novelist and, you know, one of the creative writing things you're told is like, you know, there should be something, don't just lose it, introduce a character and then bring them back page 300. And Javan does exactly that. Yeah. Right. And that's a, that's a very frequent and familiar device. For most most people who watch these kind of movies, so I think, and and that is embedded within that idea of the community that there is a wider sense of who shows up where. Yeah, it was it was it was also interesting. We caught a few of the uh, Bachchan re-releases. Uh, we had three of them come here that that set up what like fifteen of them mm-hmm. that uh, were redone, and it was interesting watching Diwar because this was very uh, difficult for us to get a hold of with subs. Um, and finally getting a good transfer, finally getting subs. And I actually felt it, having watched so many movies influenced by it, I was a little bit confused as to how they didn't actually work the, um, I don't know if you remember the movie, but uh, when they were little kids, they lived in a mining community and their dad was like a labor leader and he sells out and they essentially tattoo on young VJ's arm. Like my father is a, uh, a thief. And I thought for sure that like, the mining boss would come back but i thought maybe this is showing the the country city split which you get in a lot of 50s films too so it it's not like every movie follows this formula of kind of you need to know everything about the hero before they go into it and everything's going to kind of tie up nicely but it is it is a very common feature yeah absolutely but also i think divar is is one of those films that sets up i mean it influences the next 50 years of cinema, almost 50 years. But I think what's really fascinating about that film is that it's really tightly scripted, mm-hmm. but it's also a film that is deeply off the, the period. Yeah. And I think it's not just the urban, um, rural or urban mining divide. Um, you know, that's that's kind of around the time there were multiple huge mining disasters. Kalapathar yeah. actually is kind of, you know, picks up the Shoshnala, um mining yeah. disaster. But even the, it's there in Divar. It's, it's, it's very much in this process where India is moving from sort of a lot of old colonial operated mines, which are then have been taken over either by private you know, owners, it's being nationalized. It, it's such a messy place. But I think one of the things I find really, you know, it's, it's a very interesting one that you point that, that that tattoo is constantly referred to in the film, in the vibe, but it the mining boss never shows up. And I think for me, that that is, it's such a powerful split mm-hmm. because basically Vijay and you know, his family is then completely unmoored from all community and and I find that really interesting because then when he has to create the community in Bombay it doesn't quite quite gel yeah 
And it's it almost sort of us. foreshadows what's going to happen. Not going to give away spoilers for anybody yeah, who's not watched Divar, but yeah. it kind of shows where he's going to go with it. Yeah. Because he's he's kind of unmoored in a way that even his younger brother isn't. And yeah, that I, I think is a really powerful way that it that 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 particular script functions. Yeah, it reminded us more of uh, 50s films like uh, also Dobe Gazaman, where he becomes a taxi driver mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. not a taxi, mm -hmm. but like the, yeah, the foot car driver yeah. and rickshaw driver. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, it like it reminded us more of 50s films and it's Piazza where Guru Dutt's walking around and talking about, oh, the, mm -hmm. the youth of this country, they're they're falling into disrepair, etc. Much more than the 70s films that it ends up influencing. Like Don is more like the Ur 70s one. D.U.R., now that we've seen it, it feels like kind of like the ending of yeah. sort of social consciousness picture and the beginning of social consciousness, like embodied in one man. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. In fact, I mean, it's, there's so much in Divar. I mean, it's things like Sri Charles where he comes to the city, you know, mm -hmm. but he's, you know, but Divar doesn't have that optimism. Mm -hmm. he's not coming to the city looking for a job and looking to make it big there's a you know she you know all of Rajapur 50s films have a kind of skepticism or even a cynicism about you know the the, the post-colonial dream but they're not cynical mm -hmm. and they're not unmoored and I think that's something you start seeing much more with early period of so it's Zanjira's like that um, Shole kind of works on that. Um, Divar obviously works on that really powerfully. And then you're right, it shifts to the one man savior. Um, and I think there is the film that really encapsulates because it's just around that same kind of kind of the next stage is actually the show. Mm -hmm. And it's it's quite interesting to watch. Sorry. Um my last book was on Amitabha Jujana for no, the BFI. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's say I could keep talking about Bachchan and his stuff and oh. every film he's ever done for We would for be happy to do that. <laughs> we, we love him. I was thinking Inkalab too, because he eventually becomes like prime minister or at least head of a party and then guns all He becomes all chief minister, yeah. He becomes, yeah, he, but, and there's a very nihilist logic. And I think that's yeah. the thing. It's like, it goes from that kind of unmoored to skeptical to kind of like the savior and then it just becomes very nihilist. I mean, Agnipas yeah. is like that too. Yeah. So oh, yeah, it's oh, brutal. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 actually quite. And but also, what's interesting for me is the the role the of the female lead kind mm -hmm. of drops. Yeah. Cons alongside this and grander, grander Bachchan, but also the fact he he has to almost he becomes so big that yeah. he splits. He has to be split. So it's like. By Mahan, it's like it can't just be one button. It's like three roles. Yeah. In the same movie, the father and twin sons to carry it off, and yeah. and there is something to be said about sort of I think about stardom, where it requires it to be so huge. And I think uh, with Javon, for example, I kept thinking it's um you know the the references to for example Bachchan's Meazadhum are very clear. Um, is very clear. Kranti, there's all these things that are embedded in there, all this, the, the sort of citations. But also, there's that sense of the double, 
double role the Shahrukh has the big big enough star and he hasn't pulled that off before he he will always sort of he was I I always wonder if he didn't think he was big enough to carry it off you know yeah. duplicated there's a kind of a silliness to it mm. but it isn't this kind of like two big heroes you know the only one oh, who it worked it works but it is quite in, it says something interesting about star status and stardom I can't help but think of Om Shanti Om, which is a film that you yeah. uh, that you discuss. Uh, quite favorably in your book, which made us very happy because we've gotten flack in the past for not just praising Om Shanti Om, but recommending Om Shanti Om to people interested in Bollywood who've never seen anything before uh, because it's full of metatextual references. Yeah. You know? And so if you understand those things, it, it is a very rich experience. But yeah. we've always maintained if you don't understand those things, it's still enjoyable yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it makes you and it engages you. And so in the book, you talk a lot about the different kind of the emotional registers, but also the different ways that kind of audiences can come in and yeah. enjoy a film. Uh, and so I'm just I guess I'm just curious. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this question. <laughs> I guess oh, I'm right. just sorry. I said, that's all right. We can we can, you know, let, let's see where it ends up. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, I mean, and it is a double, it is a double role for Shah Rukh Khan, though he's never, you know, on screen with himself yeah. at the same time, you know, he's, yeah. he's playing that re reincarnated. But I guess, I guess I'm just curious, yeah, on on your feelings about um, kind of the way that Indian cinema and Bollywood is always referencing itself, it's always quoting itself, it's always kind of going back into its past in a way that we find a lot more satisfying than what you see with Hollywood cinema that is always interested in kind of what's going to be new and original. Indian cinema is always in conversation with its past. Well, it's always, it's it's being made for people who enjoy cinema and have a frame of reference, mm -hmm. which yeah. Hollywood would just rather you purchase something and then just forget the next day that you ever saw it. And, you know, but it, yeah. like even song titles are going on becoming movies, like it's, it's it creates a whole network and a whole universe, and it's something we really like about it. Yeah, I mean, I think there is something to be said about how we see ourselves and how we see um, not just the past, but legacies and heritage, and how it matters or does not matter. And I think, in case of Indian cinema, instead of this this kind of stereotypical narrative or colonial narrative about you know uh the illiterate the impoverished viewer who doesn't understand cinema it's actually the opposite mm -hmm. you know what we call the chavani shop there though which was the old shop you know which was like 25p um 25 uh um tickets it was working class you know and it still continues that you know the single screens are working class and that you know audiences and they know this stuff mm -hmm. they know all of these references they don't just go in and watch and it's not just about watching you know Clooney or you know Ryan Reynolds it's about watching not just Shah Rukh or Salman or Ahmed it's also kind of going back into not just even Bachchan and Raj Kapoor and Devan, and it's kind of going even further back into all of the cultural memories and cultural narratives. And I think 
it's a really sophisticated way of engaging with someone. Mm -hmm. But I think the one of the things it does, and this is why, which when we started with Om Shanti Om, is that I think there is almost a sense that, and I, you know, I often find this in a lot of Western um, scholarly work, where great art is somehow serious. Great art makes you think, not necessarily feel. And I think so much of Indian art, not just films, they foreground the emotional reaction and the emotional connection. Mm -hmm. But they also don't separate that from the intellectual engagement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they've been really, it's been great because it, it brings back memories of when I was when, when I was younger and I, you know, the way films were seen and single single screen theaters, not not multiplexes. And, you know, people would be dancing in the files mm -hmm. and there would be lots of noise and there'd be all kinds of things. That, you know, it was it was it was a fun community thing. Yeah. And yeah, there was there was an intellectual engagement. But primarily it was fun. Mm -hmm. And I think when people don't know cinema uh, or this particular cinema or Indian cinema in general, they find something like Om Shanti Om uncomfortable because it's like, wait, why is this great cinema? This is just fun. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you know more, then you're kind of reading all the other stuff, right? And not just the, the, the cinephilic citations, but an entire cultural set of citations. And I think that just makes it interesting and a, and a knowledgeable viewer. And that would be the, the, the habitual viewer, not just in India, off the cinema, would pick those up. And that's part of the pleasure. So I think we don't we don't focus enough on the pleasures of cinema. Mm -hmm. I think especially English language arts criticism, um, and this actually does apply to our work as well. If you're like an opera critic or something and you don't actually speak Italian, it seems very foreign to you and it seems very fancy, even though it's just like, well, she slept with him and then he's murdering her. Like it's the the stories are in opera are usually pretty bare bones, like they're not very uh, complicated. It's just that you don't understand the language, so it seems fancy. And they're wearing <laughs> fancy costumes. You have to dress up to go. So it kind of puts you at a remove. And you know, Bollywood, since we don't speak Hindi, it does it there is always a remove there, but we can tell that it's meant to be fun. Yeah. So I was wondering actually, kind of spinning off of this, you you do not talk too much about uh parallel cinema in this. I mean it's a Bollywood book. Yeah. But do you think that parallel cinema through the connection with Renoir, probably, and uh, you know, such a Ray working with him, was it just designed to be more palatable to Western critics? Because it certainly is the thing that like the Criterion Collection will pick up on or Masters of Cinema yeah. in the UK probably. I mean, like I, it's it's designed for yeah. exports to be fancy, quote unquote. I mean, I don't know how much of it I would, I would put, you know, say it's designed for the Western critic. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to think, remember that India had all, also had a very clear colonial elite. Now, before independence, you know, people like Himanshu Rai, they're and they're and Devikani, they're making mass films. They're making mm -hmm. blockbusters for their time, right? 
they aren't, you know, even though they're, you know, they've studied at RADA and their team's German, but, you know, they're, they're doing kind of stuff, fun stuff. They're doing big, big, huge um, movies um, that are going to appeal to the masses. Mm -hmm. I think that shifts, I can't even say in the 50s, because in the 50s, you know, you've, you've got sort of Raj Kapoor and Dave Anand and all of these guys who are, end up at the Venice Film Festival and, um, you know, Raj Kapoor, has, that's when he has that big conversation with the Sika. Um, then they, they, they do this really weird thing. So they're at Venice and then they do this detour mm-hmm. and they go up, this whole batch of them go up and Raj Kapoor, of course, is a massive fanboy and Chaplin is living in Switzerland. He has mm-hmm. a villa. He's living in Switzerland. He cannot come back to the U.S. because, you know, the McCarthy mm-hmm. trials. Um, and they go hang out at Chaplin's villa. Mm-hmm. So there is, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're like, what is talked about? We don't have enough records. Mm-hmm. Because, but there was obviously this massive exchange when they, they all, you know, all these film guys are just, just chilling at, you know, at the villa. And that's when Rajkumar comes back and he has this very clear, explicit sense of working with the Trump figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done that, he's played with it, but that's really where you start seeing his you know, interest. I think there is a split that happens with the idea of the parallels and at some point in the 60s. And that is to do with who filmmakers want to appeal to, not necessarily outside, but even in India. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this thing that, you know, the educated Indians often, you know, and that at that point, Bengal is one of the key areas for that. That's who watches proper cinema. And then, then there's the rest of the, the country that watches this dodgy stuff. And I think that so it's also part of the colonial legacy. Mm-hmm. And that narrative isn't entirely from the outside of the country. It actually is from the inside of the country as well. I mean, uh, I grew up with people, even in even in my thirties, forties. Even now, I run into um, people who are South Asian origin who will say, "Oh, I don't watch that." Um, and it's you know they might watch it quietly, privately in the closet, which you know Karan Johar has spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a sense that you know if, if you're really into movies, you you don't you're not into that kind of movie. You're into proper movies. Um, so that I think is very much there. Having yeah. said that, you know, Bimal Roy made Bandini. He, yeah. you know, there's there's this constant back and forth. Um, Rocky Rani features, you know, the father, um, Rani's father, um, is one of the most extraordinary Bengali actors. Um, who's done incredible sort of serious quote unquote work. Um, and is, you know, so there's this constant back and forth. And I think these these distinctions are more academic than practical and practicing, for lack of a better word. And Darmendra is listening to old 50s movie songs, the whole thing. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it has that that particular film has the courage or touch where he he doesn't just cite cinema, he hits hits you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Every yes. citation and bashes it home in case you missed it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, subtlety may not be Tejo's major <laughs> no. <laughs> skill set. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I was also wondering, so it sounded like you moved a lot during your childhood. Um, I don't want to give too many things away, but uh, your your dad's life seemed pretty exciting, actually. And uh, the, the places you ended up across the country, even before you go and become a world traveler, seemed to have given you a really good sense of uh, movies and moviegoers across the country. So do you think that... Um, everyone's looking for the pan India hit now. And do you think that such a thing makes sense? Like, is there going to be always these divisions across the, across the country that would make it so that it's, you know, really, really difficult for everyone to get on board with something rather than their own homegrown product. I mean, you've lived everywhere. It seems like you could uh, speak to that. Or is that kind of a myth? Like, Actually, everyone kind of watches all these movies. It's just not the box office that will speak to that. Like, they do become embedded in the social framework, maybe just not right away. Well, I think there's. it's a kind of a complicated question because I think it's worth remembering that just like Hollywood, um, Bombay or Bollywood or Hindi commercial cinema, however you want to phrase this, um, you know, it has many names and we can choose whichever one um, is in many ways um, the hegemonic statist nationalist kind of project. You know, it was it's very much it has that sort of feel. It also then means that it often leaves out um, parts of the country mm -hmm. or the ways in which it represents parts of the country are deeply problematic. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something we need to acknowledge and, and recognize because it is that mass um, national scale cinema. On the other side, partly because of that national scale cinema, it has also attracted back the back and forth from various industries, from Bengali, from Tamil, from Telugu, for, of, of people coming in, you know, working in cinema, in Bombay, moving backwards, you know, and not just actors, we're talking directors, producers, technicians. Um, yeah, there's a whole apparatus, um, which is, I suppose, the good side of it, or the mm -hmm. positive side of this, this equation, not this creating any kind of hegemonic cultural product. Um, I think there's, a, there's something strange that happened. Um, especially I think in sort of in the last 25 years where I think it's too recent for us to be able to analyze and theorize fully but I almost take it back to the rise of you know sort of the first BJP coalition government in the mid 90s where there was a fragmentation and the regions you know it became very clear you know all these places again you know, there were there was cinema and you know, over a dozen languages from the, the 40s. But I think that that fragmentation of the audience happened in a way. It also was the time that, you know, you get, the liberalization project meant that satellite TV moved, you know, came in, the, opened up the, you know, space for lots of stuff and lots of different kinds of movies. But it also meant that the Doordarshan viewership was eroded which was the national tv channel yeah. and the standard fare for doordarshan was i mean i watched loads of not just black and white cinema but loads of cinema from across the country that is not in hindi 
mm -hmm. um, through, you know, in, in sort of fondue darshan, mm -hmm. especially sort of late, you know, the 80s. This was really important. Um, and I think that shifted. So there was a fragmentation of the audience. Having said that, I'm I'm completely fascinated by Javan. Mm -hmm. You know, where you where it's running, you know, full houses in Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. It's the first movie to have opened on the same day in Bangladesh as it did else in India. So it's a really interesting process where it's got this massive viewership across the country. Yeah. Um curiously enough, even though something like Gather has done really well, Gather too actually. And weirdly enough, was the same thing with Gather, the first one as well. It hasn't had that same kind of pan-India viewership. Mm -hmm. And I think that says quite interesting things about what speaks across particular regional, ethnic, linguistic lines and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. I think Javan is an interesting example because it is closer for me to something like Amara Anthony. Yeah. Not in the not in the tone of it, but the fact that it's actively creating a kind of national movie. Mm -hmm. And I think because the different girls were from different states too, yeah. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. you could tell. Yeah. I wish so I wish we got backstories on all of them. Uh, yeah. You know, we could be three and a half hours long. I would have enjoyed that. But you know, they they're representing different places and they all want revenge. Yeah, but I also think it's like, you know, I, I'm waiting for like the director's cut for Javan because I'm sure that's about three and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I want to see the ones with the deleted scenes. I mean, it's it's sort of like, um, you know, I've got I've got a version of um, in my library of Chakte, Chakte mm -hmm. um, which was the other Shah Rukh movie. And there's a huge amount of backstory for the team that gets cut out. Mm, and when you put that in you're just like wow that made a lot more sense hmm. but i can also understand why it's why it would have been much longer it would have been at least 35 to 40 minutes longer yeah um similar thing ashoka again Sharuk, um had a a few years ago they actually did it like they i think it was a z or one of those indian channels they actually um screened it as a broadcasted as a kind of mini series in six parts or seven parts mm -hmm. and that had lots of the footage that was basically the, the director's cut and that was about six and a half hours long and then it uh -huh. becomes really properly huge and epic um but it's a version you know it's something that goes back to Sholay. Mm -hmm. the director's cut of Sholay does not end with the cops arriving mm -hmm. the the director's cut of Sholay ends with first viru played by Dharmendra, of course trying to get revenge. Mm -hmm. And then the Thakur, and Thakur arrives and Gabbar is killed by Thakur in an extremely extended, brutal scene. It's a like, horrific he What does he do? <laughs> he actually kicks him to death. And, and oh, that's okay. when you realize, <laughs> but actually, do you know, they keep focusing on Thakur's shoes. Mm -hmm. they're, oh, they're, okay. they're yeah. They've got nails embedded. Ah, okay. It's a really horrific scene. It just continues. It's this grotesque scene. Yeah. Um, but it actually makes much more sense yeah. than the very nice clean that the cops arrive. That's fine. We're all done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of I think a lot of you know for 
for political reasons, for cultural reasons, sense of reasons, but also length reasons, the, you know, filmmakers make those those choices. I would love to see the what what else they have by way of footage on your own. Yeah, I'm sure it looks. I think they probably have all the backstories. It's almost like Lagan as well, which is kind of all these different guys from different parts of society. Mm -hmm. They come together. It's yeah. Amarak Ben Anthony only does it with three, but it, it is a very potent way of getting the band back together to uh, yeah. defeat the British usually, or in this case, the government. And that's got to be interesting for the current government who, uh, you know, you're you're saying that Hindi cinema is kind of the hegemonic or cinema that runs everything. But this movie specifically is saying, vote them out. <laughs> we, you know, it's, you know what? I think yeah. it's not, I don't think, I think that's a very, very... I'm not saying you agree that understanding of, the, hegemonic, yeah. of hegemonic cinema, because yeah. of course, you know, hegemonic cinema means that it does have this grand narrative on it, or that yeah. runs through, and it has the, you know, the political, economic, financial power, the star power, all of that. But having said that, I mean, I, I was very fascinated um with the the shift in films mm -hmm. and Bombay films and Bollywood films over the last 10 years. It happened, started with 2014. I mean, and then the films that are kind of coming out and were obviously kind of you know landed. But there was they'd somehow been rendered toothless. Mm -hmm. And alongside was the rise of this quite explicitly Hindu nationalist cinema. Yeah. And, you know, the various um, historical costume dramas, um, Akshay Kumar films. I mean, I think that's, yep. that's, that's a star that really capitalized on it. But the kind of cinema that had existed for so long, which had been, even before independence, which had been huge and popular and did really great business but was also critical in different ways of the state and society mm. had just kind of gone and i found that really interesting where this this suddenly there wasn't you know it had shifted it was very kind of conservative leaning cinema none of the the criticism was you know muted if any and most mm -hmm. of it wasn't and i think for me the first real shift that i saw was last year with Brahmastra. Mm. And I remember walking out going, okay, so the this evil being, the the terrible power, whatever you want to call it, the 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 enemy, um, this their superpower is really to turn people into mindless yeah. sort of followers, right? And I was yeah. like, wow, that's kind of a you know, cake. It's interesting, yeah. Hmm. Um and that suddenly felt political in a way that that hadn't been before. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you get Patan and, you know, and then it's sort of, it starts to kind of roll out. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, I mean, and Rock and Ronnie fits in that because it's not a political critique, but it's a cultural critique. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of strange. I mean, at some point I was, I was, I told um one of my friends that you know i feel like i'm writing this book about bollywood cinema and the roles it's played but you know it feels like i'm you know this will be a kind of analogy a kind of a funeral speech maybe um, mm. because what's going on with it 
Um, yeah. And then suddenly, just as I handed it in um, to, I was ready to hand it into my publisher. Um, thankfully, Brahmastra had already come out. And then Baton landed. I saw it first day, first show in India. And I was like, hold everything. I need to <laughs> let, let me go back and rethink the ending. It was yeah. just kind of, again, it was a Manma and this high coolie moment of going, I need to redo that chapter. <laughs> was it difficult to say to the publisher, like, oh, a movie just came out that is extremely important to my thesis. I need I need two weeks to rewrite a few chapters because like I work at a publishing company. If an author told me like, uh, you know, something just happened to me and I need to rewrite the book, like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the my publisher's been brilliant. They were they 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 were really kind of I think they got it. And I, I think yeah. it always helps when a publisher just gets the book or a yeah. book. And your so, book is like incredibly up to date. Like, yeah. like I, I was, I was really impressed reading it. Like, oh wow, she's up to about like February, March of this year, in what she's talking about. So, like, I, I thought it was, it, it, you know, it might be an analogy for a certain period of Bollywood that was yeah. very Hindu nationalist, and you know, Gadar is out right now still. Doing yeah, I mean, we don't know where it's gonna go, but I think yeah. what, what's been interesting is to watch some, you know, Baton and then Rocky and Rani and then Javan yeah. kind of, you know, go down that route. And this doesn't mean that there isn't space. I mean, Gadar is classically Sunny the old shouting yeah. the big macho kind of nationalist cinema. I mean, that is very much in that mode. Yeah. But I think that that kind of critical, skeptical, questioning cinema is fascinatingly back yeah and making um, big money. i hope yeah i hope it stays i mean that's the thing is if it makes big money then it's there's courage for people to take that stuff on right i just need to see less sports biopics and just sort of like safe historical stuff that you can point to and like well he faced some challenges but that was those guys at the sports commission you can't trust them but the country country's fine we're all good here it's just a few bad actors yeah. over there yeah. like, I, I don't know how many movies we watched with that specific uh um, plot element, but it's it's so annoying so yeah, yeah. A, a more questioning cinema I, i'm very excited to see that as well well i mean it's curious isn't it because in so many ways chuck they kick off that that sports movie trend mm -hmm. a movie we're incredibly sorry yeah oh i was just, just saying a movie we're incredibly jealous of as Canadians, I'd love to see a film about the Canadian yeah. about the Canadian women. I know, women's isn't it? Yeah. Like, it would be amazing. It seems it yeah. seems pre-built. Like we could just you have a new fee, you can have a Quebecois. Like yeah. the whole country gets together and beats the US at hockey. Yeah. No, we all get really yeah, there you go. That's an idea. Yeah. But but I think it's interesting because of course Chuck Day has the the, the political critique built in. Mm -hmm. And it's not just though the few people who are the sports guys who are terrible who which they are yeah um you know i think it's interesting that there's that sort of it it anticipates or at least it expresses the issues that we now kind of have under the me too umbrella mm -hmm. um the sexual harassment the sexual favors the the trading of those that are very much hinted at in that film and of mm -hmm. course the issue around how india deals with minorities Mm -hmm. and specifically religious minorities is built in and i think you know i think that's partly Shah Rukh Khan's 
person, but it's also his role as an explicitly Muslim character. Mm -hmm. So, and the rest of the films that have then followed are very much in the hegemonic mode and they don't have that critical view at all. And, yeah. and I, like you, I find them boring. I just, I just find them deeply boring. The only good one is Mukabaz, and that is uh, the annual cash app element, I think. And Jimmy Shergill's absolutely terrifying performance. Have you seen Mukabaz? Yeah, just and like it, it is more like a small town gangster picture, which also kind of getting tired of. But I, I think uh -huh. the sports element was good there, and it kind of made sense that this is a personal revenge between these two guys rather than yeah. uh, this is the yeah. one part of the government we are allowed to criticize the sports commission. Yeah, exactly. And no, and also, I think uh, it's also funnily enough, I think Jimmy Shergill is one of the most underrated actors mm -hmm. in the country, if not the world, because <laughs> when he gets a role, he just goes for it. Oh, yeah. And I just wish he would just get more. Yeah, it feels like he should have at least three prestige TV shows. The, the rate at which they're cranking them out, he should be, I don't know, like a detective on the edge or something. Or, I don't know. Like... Yeah, it should have been him playing Luther instead of, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Ajay Devkin. Devkin, yeah. Like, oh, God, yeah. Kind of makes I think more we sense. Can, yeah, yeah. And, and he would, and I think, I think he would bring the edge to, yeah. you know, that I, frankly, I don't think they've done has. I mean, they've been just basically, it's sort of like, can we please get a more Hindu upper class straight man? Yeah. Being macho. <laughs> Ma, it's not exciting. Shergill and um, oh, who's the guy who's in the new Ida Fuck? The new, oh, Akshay Khanna. Akshay Khanna. It's another mm. one where it's kind of like a guy who was like a romantic heartthrob, or maybe not a heartthrob, but like the intellectual heartthrob when he was younger, and that's kind of gone bitter in them now, and it works yeah. so well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see Akshay Khanna lead a prestige TV show. Yeah, <laughs> I think that could be really good. Uh, I want to ask about how you approached the book, because this is not um, a stale uh, film theory read <laughs> by any no. means, even though there is a lot of film theory in it uh, and, you know, this critical framework. But you also weave in, you know, stories about the history of cinema and stories about your own life. And so it's a very kind of interesting melange that's on kind of these these three tracks throughout. A masala, you might say? Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I thought of I, this, this book has been kind of, it's done many, it has had many iterations and they've all been chucked. So there are many, many manuscripts sitting on my hard drive and <laughs> they've all been gotten rid of um, and we'll never see the light of day, but because it's this version, but I struggled with it for a very long time. And then at some point, mostly because I had gone back and I was feeling very sorry, um, about life in general during the lockdowns and I actually went back and started watching all the sort of I, I put myself through this process of watching you know movies from of the last seven eight decades just re-watching everything because of like I need something and I think that's when it really hit that I needed to frame this book kind of like a masala movie mm. so it's funny because we've talked about that the critical framework how do you you know, structure it. There's a lot in the in the book about how films are structured, what you know, sound, camera, everything. And I was like, you know, actually, let's write it like a movie. Mm -hmm. Let's write it like let's write it in the same framework. 
that I'm trying to explain. Hmm. Um, and I think that also means a few things. Kind of, kind of like Manuel Desai, or you know, take your pick, Raj Kapoor. I just figured that you know, whoever picks up this book, whether they know India or they know Indian cinema or they know cinema, it doesn't really matter because they'll read it because it will be fun and the people who know any of those for them it will work like an Amar Banantin mm -hmm. it'll work like an Om Shanti Om it'll trigger all the stuff they're like oh I know this and I remember this and oh this is similar for me and I had a similar experience with a different movie and and I just thought that you know again you know we if we think of ras juice essence that is at the heart of all enjoyment of anything aesthetic and mm. cultural, then that's what that's what it need, needed to happen. So yeah, it's written like a good masala movie. Mm. Oh, but it's very effective. I've I've read a lot of film theory texts in my day, and this is probably <laughs> the most enjoyable one I have ever read. And also well, it's one you conceivably read again. Yes, it's what I will read. Oh, that's always great. And, and not just to go through to, you know, find things to put in, in my essays, um, but for for enjoyment. Um, and I really appreciate it because, you know, we've been, I think as Matt said, doing this, we've been watching Hindi language films for like straight for like 10 years now. We had some experiences beforehand and eventually, eventually found our way back and have just been yeah, for 10 years, weekly, at least watching one, partly for this show, mm -hmm. um, if not several every week. And over the years, uh, you know, we've had, we've, we've tried to explain to people that you can't approach these films with a Western context in terms of kind of film analysis and film theory. And we've never had the language to explain We've just said, you know, they work on an emotion, emotional register. Think of like a six act structure and things like that. Um, and we, you know, still come from a, a Western context and perspective, but have always tried to try to break that down within ourselves as much as possible. Yeah. And so I feel like uh, this this what you have outlined will help us hopefully crack things open a bit more in terms of our own understanding and hopefully what we can tell others when people ask us why we care so much about Bollywood um, when it is often thought of as, you know, this, this cinema for the masses that isn't as intellectual as other cinemas, because we don't feel that. Yeah. So, so thank you. Yeah. No, that that's really lovely to, to hear. So thank you for that. And on the, on that note, I'm just going to, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because um, I'd thought about this book. Um, and thought of putting it together as an academic book and a more kind of, and then I kind of decided that we'd go the Massey route to mm. use a good, good, yeah. you know, South Indian film term. We're going to yeah. do a Massey route. And um, I think that's important because I'm very clear that we can't possibly have the separation of what is what reaches out to masses of people and what is supposedly intellectual. Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's led us down a very dangerous path everywhere across the world where people do not kind of engage critically with a lot of things. So I think it's okay to write something um, that is massy, 
mm -hmm. um, but has the core and has the rigor and you know and because I think that we we reach more people that way and we I think we need to reach more people that way I mean that's the genius of the Massey films um and hopefully you know that also works for books we don't know that but we shall try <laughs> yeah last question do you ever do you think that uh India showing up as a narrator or as like a uh kind of agglomeration of people i'm thinking kismet when there's that dance scene about or the the musical scene about you know the very subtle anti-british thing that they they were like oh it's just a dance scene don't worry about it meanwhile it's yeah. just like we hate the british get out british or megaliasa or megaliasa like is that ever going to make a comeback we're ever going to see um amitabha literally being india <laughs> and introducing well, or something because it, it feels like yeah. that's a comeback he does a lot of you narrating. Know, he's, he's always like, narrating, but he's never like, ah, uh, Hindustan, you know, it's me, Hindustan. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, I still think one of the saddest, saddest, saddest scripting disasters of the last 25 years is actually Tugs of Hindustan. Mm. Tugs of Hindustan had the best premise. Yeah. It was possibly could have been so good. Yeah. And yeah. then basically they lose control towards the end. They set up these amazing characters and then they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And and at some level they chickened out. And I think that was that was the moment when Amitabh is India. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it would it would have been it would have been brilliant. And I was just like, and I don't know, when the movie ended, I was like, <laughs> you made such a mess, nobody's gonna give you any money to do this, but it would have been brilliant if they had sailed across to Britain and sort yeah. of worked with pirates off the coast of like Cornwall yeah. or something and yeah. it just it was it was such a wasted opportunity so in my head there is a possibility with a better writer to to bring back Tugs of Hindustan and Bachchan as like you know the pirate yeah that's the one uh, Hindi film my brother has seen I took him out there to see it in Montreal he's just like I could kind of see why you like this stuff, but that was way too long. And <laughs> there was too much going on. I'm just like, you know what? It was so close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. but it, it was a shame. It was a shame. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's also useful one to realize how how easy it is to get the masala wrong. Yeah. Uh, Thunders of Hindustan walked so Triple R could run, though. I mean, Triple R comes up and, uh, you know... Yeah. You could not have a more we hate the British movie. <laughs> it's, it's well, amazing. yeah, I mean, we could go back and start with like Lagan and Mangal Pandey, yeah, which crawled so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we could we yeah. could do a whole genealogy. Yeah, if if Mangal Pandey crawled, what was Mard doing? Was it in utero? <laughs> was Mard? Uh, oh God, Mard was terrible. What? Oh, I was I was about oh. to ask you if you could tell me if it was like. Oh well received at the time because we almost think like it it, it, was, it is not verging on parody it is parody but also like it's it's such a off the wall movie like yeah it's just wondering how people took it at the time because yeah. i thought I it was hilarious it was, but it was it, yeah but i think it was nobody i mean it when you look at the amount of how well it did mm -hmm. um at the box office initially um compared to films like you know, Cooley or even Agnipat. Um, mm -hmm. And the kind of longevity it's had. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't. It didn't stay, right? Because 
it's one of, and I think there was a moment where Butchin's kind of star persona just dissolves. He, he, it becomes too unstable. Um, and I think it's been interesting, and I, I, I've written about this for Shadow Khan and said, you know, what happens to him? And it's been interesting that he took this these years away, and then he came back with sort of back to back now three movies in a year, kind of yeah. doing his two thousand one two thousand logic no two thousand four for the Virzara year, where I think he's managed to work around that period mm-hmm. by just going off screen. Um, you know, just just a bit of trivia for you. Um, Shadow Khan is as old now with um, Patan and Javan as Amitabh Bachchan was when he did Mahabharat. Hmm. Wow! Yeah, it kind of you know, it's a good way of thinking about how we yeah. have evolved, but also how aging masculinity stardom kind of yeah. function. Yeah, I mean. He kind of did it with Dear Zindagi, though, right? Like, that's kind of his mentor. And also, people thought it was going to be... Zero, fan, you know, Del Valle. I mean, he he started to... It started to kind of go a bit wonky. I mean, I think his Shahrukh's period where where it becomes too unstable is actually um, Happy New Year. Another one we love, but everyone else hates. If you took half an hour out of that movie, perfect. Took out... Basically, all of Sona Suit's stuff. If you took him out... And a little bit less of the epilepsy making fun of uh, yeah. <laughs> with uh, Arani. It's just the best premise for a movie of all time. It's an amazing yeah. premise. It needs tightening. Yeah. But it was also, curiously, it's possibly the single most explicitly misogynist film, Shadow Stone. Mm-hmm. And his own character is super misogynist. Yeah. yeah. Well, she which just I find really English, interesting. Right? All, which, which English, I find English, interesting. English, yeah, yeah. But yeah. also the fact he's quite sort of, you know, he's he's quite clear with sort of, you know, in the disrespect he has towards this, yeah. you know, um, character. And the fact that she's called Mohini, from, you know, and that's, that's Madhuri's true. name from Tezab. And, you know, so it's, 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 a, it's again, citationally even more problematic. Hmm. And I think he, that's really the moment when you start seeing him kind of not getting it right and then he has the whole series and then it just goes away let's i hope he's that means he's skipped that period with absurdities like yeah. Mars and there are I mean, so many Saraswati. i mean there are so many in that period from Pachar. yeah i mean zero is pretty crazy i never want to see another film like zero. It, it feels like sharks <laughs> kind of become obsessed with uh a little bit of the visual effects like a george lucas but also mirroring himself especially in fan fan was a really interesting movie and he's interested in playing with his own star archetype so much and i'm glad that he's come around and just like i'm going to make big popular action movies that actually have a point that people are going to enjoy because yeah i there's only so much screwing around with my fan persona that you can take yeah and i think there's there's a space for the kind of you know if Bachchan had occupied a particular particular space as the kind of national patriarch when he came back with, you know, mm-hmm. Mahabate and Kabikushi Kabiyam and so on. And I think there's a space for Shahrukh to be that statesman-like yeah. figure, which I think he's done quite well while playing with his star persona. So it'd be interesting to see him kind of use that properly rather than, as you rightly say, it's like, why, why? 
Uh, people yeah. really seem to like uh, Vikram Rathor, so like that's you know, there's a bit of a daddy character that everyone's enjoying. Oh, no, 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 no. oh my 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 India t- Twitter feed X feed is full of daddy jokes, and it is yeah. not good. It might be a little bit on the nose too, but like he's a daddy who cannot recognize his children, and it like is perpetually stuck in 1983 essentially. So like it's the it's an interesting you know fatherly persona to portray of a guy who's stuck in the past and uh, cannot recognize the present. Regardless, like I I don't know if people really uh, delved into that as much yet, but that that does yeah. not present an amazing uh, look at you know um, the Indian masculinity. Well, I mean, it, I'm glad you said that because, you know, there is a, if you think about Amaro Paranzi, mm-hmm. it's exactly, it's the, the mother is called Bharti, mm-hmm. bit on the nose, yeah. loses her sight, does not, rec- loses her kids, does not recognize her children when she runs into them repeatedly. Yeah. And part of the pleasure is the re-encountering and recognition of the children. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's very interesting how Javon kind of replicates some of those of those again, um, that the constant citational um yeah. work that happens. Whenever that happens to Amitabh's mom, though, she eventually, you know, figures it all out and is accepted <laughs> into the family. Whereas Vikram Rathor, yeah, I guess right at the very end when he hears the clicking, right? Uh, we'll have to take that out too. So that's <laughs> yeah. too much of a spoiler, but it's it, it, he, he actually has to hear a gun not work in order to oh, yeah. get, get his mind back, whereas uh, a mother can, you know. Oh, well, my, she my, she my, just followed she touch. followed her son's voice right into a super yeah. shrine. I think we have moved past those wonderful innocent days. Yeah, yeah. Okay, one more question. <laughs> I'm just having a good time here. Uh, can okay, you justify? Can you justify my love for Prawn? Because I, I think that he's one of like the kind of best side guys, him and Shatragan Sinha. Why does it need to be justified? Doesn't everyone love Prawn? Well, I just want to know. I love Prawn. What, what is I Prawn's reputation? Prawn. Prawn, Prawn is just such an, he's, he's possibly one of the single most respected hmm. actors I can think of hmm, from okay. his generation. Good. But also he's somebody who's, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, there is a brilliant, it's completely absurd um, comedy from the 50s. It's got Kishore Kumar, and it's called Adha Ticket, okay. um, Half Ticket, and it's got Prawn, and you would not believe how good he is at comedy. Awesome. Because I think a Being lot of us know yeah. Prawn, like, later on. Yeah. But... Because when he's older and he's he's very suave, he's sort of he's the the the, the suave, not but possibly bad guy. Yeah. Um, but he he and Kishore Kumar work off each other. They're brilliant. They're hmm. absolutely hilarious and brilliant. So I yeah, this, I always get the sense with Pran that his character <laughs> could be the main character of another movie that's going on at the same time, like. Him as uh, what Jasjeet and Don. Mm-hmm. He's got this crazy backstory being a circus guy. Or um, actually, most of the pictures he's in with Bachan, like he's often a cop or something, but yeah. he's interesting enough that you would watch a whole movie about him. And I think that's all yeah. from. Like usually it's not yeah. the not the script is giving him anything. He just yeah. embodies it in such a way that you're just like, I want more prawn. Yeah, he just he's, he's just exceptional. I mean, he, you know, Zanjeev. Sanjeev, yep. 
Yeah, we have not been able to watch oh, Sanjay. No. That, that is our big. Uh, okay. Our big he gives he gives Bachchan the gravitas that is needed mm. because Bachchan does. You know, he's still quite lightweight at that point, and yeah. Ron is just extraordinary in that. Okay, awesome. I mean, he carries when, it. So yeah, yeah. One day, that's that's one of the challenges we face is uh, access to films. Um, it's easier now than it was nine years ago, but especially yeah. older titles, uh, we won't watch anything pirated. Um, and so Zangier is one of those films that I've been searching for, for a legal copy with good English subtitles for like a decade now. Mm. So hopefully, that's why we were finally able to yeah. see DR, because that one is also... Yeah, I, I was was indeed one of the ones that National Film Archives remastered. I'd like it might know. have been, but they only we we only got uh, Don yeah. uh, Divar and Sholay here. Yeah, okay. so. And Sholay wasn't a part of that collection. It's just yeah, they just yeah. showed Sholay its own. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, so and so Zangier is we are very eager to see. Yeah, <laughs> and I I look all the time. I hope to be I'm as surprised there. and delighted as I was by Divar, which again. I thought it was going to be uh, the, you know, the prototype of the angry young man, but it is more of a, a transitional film between fifties and seventies sort of nationalism and anger. And yeah, it was fascinating, uh, but yeah. we've kept you long enough. Thank you very much for coming on the show. A volume of state of mind. It'll be available in stores and online 19th of October. So grab a copy. It's a great read. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was great fun. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, we'll be back hopefully later this month uh, with our annual Hindi Horror Halloween episode. We have a dance scene we have to go do in the German Alps. Yes, we're uh, we're headed on a bit of a kind of work trip for Matt slash vacation, full on vacation for me. Uh, and so we're heading back near the end of October, and our goal is to get our Hindi Horror Halloween episode out in time for Halloween, but we might be cutting it close. Uh, till then, though, you know, pick up a copy of Bollywood State of Mind to tide you over. Yeah, it's great, and not scary at all. Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Uh, at Bollywood Pod on Twitter. Uh, I'm barely even there myself anymore, but at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin E. Fraser, E-R-N-E. F-R-A-S-E-R. We have blue skies, but uh, we're not really knowing how to use them yet. Yeah, I don't really know how to use it yet. Please leave us a star rating and a review if you're a fan of the show. Uh, you can also email us at bollywoodisforlovers at gmail.com. Let us know if there's any good Hindi horror movies we haven't uh, checked out yet that are viewable legally <laughs> and have subs because that's always the difficulty. Yeah. You can also listen to my other podcast that I do with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Art in the Movies. We have a couple Halloween episodes uh, that have just come out over there. Uh, you yeah, watched the absolutely we, terrible movie Exorcist to the Heretic. I did. Yeah. Yeah. For your sins. Yeah. Uh, we also want to thank Becca Dalkey for our artwork. Yeah. Thanks, Becca. 